Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and shalom to you from Austin, Texas, where I am very thankful for air conditioning. It is hot here, folks. So glad you're listening, even if it's only one or two of you out there. Thank you. So we completed an episode for the first of the three characteristics of true biblical spirituality, and that is it should be evident in the believer himself. You should be able to see it. We broke that down into four subsections. First, we talked about developing a Messiah, a Jesus-like perspective by living by faith with the fruits of the Spirit growing and developing in us. Uh, by the way, this uh, did you memorize that wonderful verse, Galatians 5:22? And I quote here, the fruits of the spirit is the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and meekness, or meekness, I should say, and self-control. Uh, this is what I want in my life. I want that uh, growing, increasing. And Lord, I just pray you hear you hear our prayer. We want this in our life. This is what it is to really follow in Jesus' footsteps, to move in, if you will, with Jesus, since he has, after all, moved in with us. Second, we talked about the Bible knowledge, right? And no, uh, that will not happen by osmosis, okay? You need to apply yourself. And third, we spoke about having an attitude of thanksgiving and of unity with other believers. And finally, we saw that it should be expressed in conduct. Now, I mentioned that this last area of conduct is where I struggle the most. And I think a lot of people do. But this is where I struggle the most. Look, the theme of the website, uh, if you've been there, and that's uh, living... Uh, spiritually.life. Okay, so go ahead and visit that if you like. So the theme of the website and of the podcast series is really that a godly life is possible in this crazy world, and it is. God's grace enables us to live like Jesus. And as Dr. Fruchtenbaum says, it is the grace of God that produces Christ-likeness in the believer. Amen to that. So as my pastor Doug Hornock from Mid-Valley Bible Church says, confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. So here's my confession to you. I have struggled this past week in my conduct. Let me explain. I took a short vacation with my family, and in the traveling and the hustle and bustle, I felt my walk with the Lord falter a bit. I didn't really stay in the Word as much as I should, and I neglected my prayer time. I prayed, but not as much as I normally do. In other words, I moved away from being close to Jesus. Jesus didn't move away, but I kind of moved away. I changed my gaze ever so slightly away from Him, and guess what? My relationship suffered. I found myself asking, why am I being so short with my wife? Why am I so impatient and unkind, lacking in love? The answer was staring me right in the face. I was walking in the flesh. I was relying on myself and on my own strength to live. Now, you would think that after all these years of walking with my Lord, I would have figured all this out, right? Wrong. (laughs) I still struggle. Less than before, but I struggle. So the vector is in the right direction, a little aviation term for you. But I still do, and I always will, especially when I lure my gaze just a hair and get my focus off of the one who enables me to live a godly life, and that's Jesus. Now, what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation like this? We feel real bad? Yeah, sure. But we confess and receive the forgiveness that God gives And we, and I quote here, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. I changed that from us there just to make it to me. And that's Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And I have this confidence how? Because 
quote, he who began a good, good work in me, it says in you, but I'm using this to me, in me, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians 1.6. Now, now, what happens when we hurt those who we love? And that's so easy to do, right? Especially in families. We ask them to forgive us. Now, maybe your loved ones don't know the Lord. Then, then what? Still ask them to forgive you. Express your sorrow over your failings, understanding that they may not react as a believer would, but that is between them and the Lord, not you. So in the spirit of thanksgiving, and that is evidence of true biblical spirituality, right? I thank God that he has permitted this trial in my life. And I'm even more thankful and more in love with a God that is so gracious and kind to me, an undeserving and unworthy servant. Now, hopefully this was an encouragement to you today. We all struggle, and the key is to how we handle it. Do we allow ourselves to get stuck in those holding patterns of guilt or even self-righteousness? No. We take the vector straight to the cross of our Messiah and into his loving arms. So take that vector. Okay, so let's get to the meat of today, and let's look at the second characteristic of true biblical spirituality, and that is that it should be evident in a believer's home. So evident in a believer's home and his home life. Now, here comes the light Bible thump. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, <clears throat> if you're a guy, that first half sounds pretty good until you read the rest and start to realize, especially if you kept reading down to verse 25, uh, where it says that the love we are to have for our wives or our wife is like the love that Christ has for the church. And, and guess what, guys? He, he died for the church. The verse says in the ESV that he gave himself up for her. Wow. Now, I need to get uh, I need to give myself up for, for my wife. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked here. This is not what I want to focus on primarily. The point is that true biblical spirituality should be evident in the believer's home in the submission of the wife to the authority of the husband. And here's the important part for you guys and for me and the husband's submission to the needs of the wife, this mutual submission. Let me give you a practical example because I know examples help, you know, and I'm going to just tie it to this confession I made above. So I'm really thankful that God brought this into my life so I can share this with you. I, I know that I'd done messed up, okay? I didn't act the way I should have acted, but I had what was to me some really good reasons to be upset and to be short. I felt justified and being upset and short and unkind. Now, if I'm to take the world's perspective, I would keep dwelling on this until resentment and bitterness, all rooted in selfishness, gets a hold of me. And you can imagine where that leads. Nowhere good. Or I can get on my knees and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way within me and lead me in the path everlasting. That's from my favorite Psalm, Psalm 139. Look, I can promise you that if you just take a moment, I promise you that if you just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit search you, He will find the sin and convict you of it. You then confess and surrender your so-called or my so-called rights or justifications. You give up yourself and you put on Jesus. And brother, sister, I'm telling you, you experience grace 
and then you give that grace and then all the justifications, the reasons all fall away like scales from the eye and you commit yourself to love. When you, you and I'm speaking to men here, when you do that, you are leading your family into maturity. It may not feel like it or look like it from your perspective, but when you live by faith, and what I described is just that, living by faith, your wife will notice. She may still see the old pain and do you know what that you can be, that I can be. I should speak for myself here. But when you really love, she will notice it and you meet her needs in this way. Keep doing it and keep growing. Don't give up. And maturity will grow in your home. Always remember, it is the grace of God that makes you Christ-like. And the same grace will transform your home life as well as you and your spouse and your children experience it together in day-to-day living. On a side note, is it really a surprise that the enemy of our souls, the devil, Satan, has been so focused on destroying families? The very place where grace can and should be experienced the most? No. He knows the threat that grace represents to him and his failing kingdom. He knows that nothing he can do to us can harm us if we appropriate the grace of Christ in our family lives. So let's bring this episode to a close, and next time we will explore the last characteristic of true biblical spirituality, and that is that we should see it in church fellowship. In other words, you need to be going to church. (laughs) So signing off from Austin, Texas, where it's hot, shalom, grace, and peace. Amen? Amen.